Hi, this is Matt Cooley, host of the podcast Upside Downside, where we explore what it takes to be the best finance business partners possible. I'm a finance business partner myself by day and former president of the New York City chapter of Financial Executives International. FinTech is working its way into all kinds of organizations, way beyond the slideware stage of just a few years ago. It's starting to become practical in ways that can directly impact value creation, which means we as finance business partners need to be paying attention. And that's what today's episode is all about. My guest is Todd Feldman, Associate Professor of Finance at San Francisco State University. Welcome, Todd. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Glad to be here. Oh, same here. And thanks so much for your time. Uh, th- this is going to be cool. And, and uh, San Francisco State's my alma mater, so uh, I feel... Uh, extra special getting to talk to a professor from there. So thanks again. Uh, Please tell us what your current role is at San Francisco State and how you came to be there. Uh, Yeah, I'm, um, well, my current role is uh, Chris Larson, founder of uh, Ripple Labs, is also alumni at San Francisco State in the business school, had donated 25, approximately $25 million to the college and um, we've used that money to set up kind of these new initiatives, uh, really great initiatives. Uh, one of them is the FinTech initiative, and I'm kind of leading that initiative, trying to kind of educate and myself included, um, you know, people about FinTech, uh, cryptocurrency, because um, it's obviously influencing the world right now and kind of need to learn more about it. Oh, that's excellent. So that's nice to um, be attached to a $25 million uh, endowment uh, and to be able to do programs like this. That's really cool. Um, So let's get into that. So is fintech becoming more practical for companies to implement and and therefore create bottom line value? Or is it still early stages? It feels like we've moved into a a new period for fintech. Oh, I agree there. I mean, um, there are layers of it uh, still being built that are not there yet, but some layers are getting there. Like, of course, we just saw a Coinbase uh, IPO. Yeah, exactly. And um, that type of stuff, uh, you know, when I first bought Bitcoin, it was weird. I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) It was kind of hard, difficult. I had to go to the exchange, download a wallet and all this stuff, like a public key, private key. I don't know what was what. But now it's, yeah, just go to Coinbase. Um, you can purchase uh, your cryptocurrencies and it's pretty easy. Um, and then, you know, the next layer of like the lending, the borrowing, the exchange, uh, I feel like that's the kind of the DeFi space that's being built up now, just not really there yet. The UX mm-hmm. uh, still needs to be developed, but you can see it's coming. <laughs> Okay. Oh, very cool. So in our preparation, you mentioned some interesting use cases around, uh, I think it was contract management and working capital loans. So can, can you explain how those would work and uh, what are the tangible benefits of those from a, a CFO perspective, for example? Oh, right. Um, I mean, there's, there's two ways to think about the working capital management loans, which kind of goes into the Bitcoin uh, as a treasury as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so just from the uh, lending side, um, you know, we're also kind of orienting more towards personal data, using data. 
you know, kind of the social media sites are using our data, the search engines, and that's going to proliferate, I think, everywhere because data is just so accessible. We can store it uh, easily. And therefore, um, you know, banks or uh, fintech companies are going to have access to all our uh, financial transactions. I mean, banks right now have access to our transactions. Mm-hmm. I, I can see it when I log in. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're watching, aren't they? <laughs> That's right. It's there, but it's kind of um, they never really did anything with it as far as does this can I, I can analyze this business's uh, kind of financial personality and then really drill down on the type of risk that I would incur, let's say, as a fintech company to lend to this uh, person or company. And it's kind of that uh, specific data, like really drilling in uh, using their transactional data versus like a credit score. Uh, I think Hmm. that can be kind of game changing because if you're running like a machine learning system, an automated system, um, you're learning, learning, learning about the company, learning, learning, and then they'll figure out, okay, based on past history, uh, this is a bad seasonal month for you guys. We think you should borrow some money. Here's some money. Click on this. You'll get the money right away. And then we'll take it out automatically from your credit sales. So it's kind of like the CFO wouldn't really have to like think about it. Hmm. Now, would you have multiple um, would you have multiple entities making these offers to you or or would it be an entity that you already have a relationship with? I'm, I'm just curious. Oh, that's right. It would have to be an entity you have a relationship with uh, that sees your transactions. Right. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. What What about the contract management side? How could this be applicable there? Oh, uh, yeah. I've been in uh, cases. I've seen cases, like, you know, especially in an internet economy where you're working with people from all over the world. You're trying to send money to people all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, typically yeah, there's a upfront uh, money, uh, 50 upfront, 50 at the end. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a typical breakdown of a contract, um, which makes sense given the current infrastructure because there's wire transfers. It takes, you know, some uh, time and right. money to transfer money. But um, in kind of this bl- blockchain crypto world, it's just so easy to transfer money that you could essentially set up contracts in a way that are kind of milestone related. So you do this task, then I just send this amount of, of a stable coin to you. Uh, then you complete this task and so on. And so the, essentially the completion of the task could trigger uh, the sending of payment. And it's just so uh, easy when you send it over the internet. <laughs> Uh, okay, that, that, that's interesting. So that's that's where the efficiency comes from. Is uh, the backbone's blockchain, but you're, there's some kind of web interface to doing this, and it's just a lot quicker than traditional traditional route of doing a wire transfer or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's the um, the major roadblock that people are trying to figure out now is uh, what are these interfaces going to look like, and how are we going to integrate them. 
that's what people are working on now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, that's why you mentioned the user interface piece. Yeah, that's that's so critical. Okay, um, so from a CFO perspective, their their speed, efficiency, ultimately cost because it's a much uh, sounds like a simpler transaction with with these uh, use cases. That uh, yeah, there's a tangible benefit to it. Okay, all right, interesting. I, I feel like I have to reorient my thinking. <laughs> Um, you know, as fintech becomes more prevalent. So uh, that, that's really cool. Um, you have a strong interest in cryptocurrencies. I picked up on that. Plus, you've, you've shared some examples already. What, what are the pros and cons of, you know, Bitcoin as a treasury asset? And you, you alluded to this a minute ago. Um, and, and I'm curious, this sounds really nerdy and I'm not afraid to say it. Are we ever going to reach sort of an idealized world kind of like Star Trek Next Generation, where there are no more currencies. Now, where are we headed with all this? Oh, yeah. I, I love that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I, I'm not the only nerd. Good, good. <laughs> I like to think kind of far out. But, um, yeah, as far as um, uh, Bitcoin, I mean, we all face this. I mean, everybody in the world, uh, companies, people face the same issue is um, we hold our wealth, a lot of it in these kind of fiat currencies, and which are being debased continuously. And we all know this, like this is not a secret. And so we have to, and we need money kind of like near us, rainy day fund or a company, um, you know, they, they make money, they have just cash sitting there, no good kind of use for it as of present, mm-hmm. maybe down the road. So uh, there's all this value just sitting, but we know it's being debased. And there's there are other there are alternatives, you know, gold or treasuries, um, the dollar. Um, but the Bitcoin to me is just a superior uh, technology than these other store value alternatives uh, because it's not being debased; it's secure, and it's right there if you ever need it. Um, so what I could see for companies in particular, which was, I think was missed, we're now kind of seeing it now mm-hmm. more like, wow, this is really, companies could use this because this companies just sending a lot of cash. You don't know what to, yeah. you know, yeah. you don't want to be forced to make acquisition. <laughs> that could be bad. Um, but if, if they're not going to use that money uh, for a while, you can put it in Bitcoin. Uh, the value of it kind of goes, can, or is probably going to go up, even though it's volatile. But if you don't need it right away, I think that's okay. And then companies could essentially use that as collateral down the road if they ever needed, you know, a short-term loan. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a better way than just keeping a bunch of cash, because you're debasing it. Um, let's say percentage points every year. So if I just need a working capital loan for a month or two months, uh, that's maybe one or two percent I'm losing as a in the, as a CFO of a company. But the value of my uh, treasury is going up. So I just see it as um, it's just a really superior technology for storing that's easily accessible, secure, and then you can send and receive it anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And what about the regulatory layer that's that's so prevalent today? I mean, you know, I'm not gonna 
I don't want to get into a debate over, <laughs> over whether we should have that or not. Um, you know, it's there, it's there for a reason, but how, how does that, um, how does that relate to Bitcoin? You know, it, it seems like there's still such a heavy debate over there. I mean, out there, whether, um, you know, how much this should be regulated, um, you know, et cetera. So, you know, where, where do you see this going? Is it going to be a viable treasury alternative for the long haul in your perspective? If you had to make a call today. Uh, I, I believe so. I mean, um, where I see kind of um, the need for uh, regulatory, uh, I, I see the regulatory environment accepting Bitcoin, uh, institutions accepting it, and potentially using the infrastructure uh, that's being built on Ethereum but uh, my worry is like all these coins, other coins and tokens that exist out in the world that uh, I notice people investing in, and I'm like, that coin doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I worry about those people investing, getting kind of hyped up in the <laughs> craze because uh, there's a lot of noise out there. And so I see maybe a need for a regulatory, uh, more regulation in regards to like, um, the ability to create a new coin and does it make sense for what the world needs? Mm-hmm. There's too many coins out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels like in a way it's 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 trying to grow up. You, you know what I mean? It's trying to grow up and be and be something that that's applicable to a broader audience than than what it was before. Um, yeah, that's right. There's like a growth spurt going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Well, maybe we will achieve that uh, next gen, uh, you know, ideal someday. So I'd like to ask my guests, uh, because this is a podcast for finance business partners, where do you think the finance business partner role is headed from your perspective? Um, and what should people be doing now to prepare for that future? Obviously, we've talked about some things that are becoming realities now, and that's that's wonderful. And that means we need to pay attention to it. But where do you see this role, this role heading? Oh, right. Uh, you did, uh, uh, I'll connect it to the other point. I, like, uh, like do you, uh, you mentioned about the Star Trek and no currencies, <laughs> but, um, I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting because there's a lot of money just kind of floating around the world, but there's no, um, as far as prices of goods and services, you would think would be go up a lot too, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Especially the last 10 years and now uh, post-COVID, I mean, there's some uh, just adjustment just from the lockdown. But um, but the thing is, uh, the world's changing in a way where kind of automation is or just the software is automating everything to the point where the costs are so low. You know, you and I are in a conversation about kind of um, before this about you know working from home and building that software out, where a small business with ten people could do what they couldn't do years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So th- those type of things uh, just lower the cost of business so much, which requires less need for a currency. Um, yeah, interesting. So, um, so I think that the, there will be, a, I think, a need for the point of getting to it, it for financial professionals to understand, like, okay, if there's there's going to be um, 
more currency out there we're going to be holding and how we should handle that. Uh, because there won't be the acquisitions and things like that, maybe not as needed or it, software can do so much. Um, mm -hmm. So it's hard to know, like there's going to be, I believe a lot of currency out there and there's going to be um, companies and uh, I'm going to have to figure out what, what are we going to do with all this currency we're sitting on? <laughs> Right. Yeah. The traditional channels for uh, investing it or holding it for short, medium or long-term periods, you know, are, are becoming, uh, you know, less. So yeah, yeah, no, I, I see your point. And that, that's something that we are going to have to think of. I, it, it, I hear what you're saying because th there's a lot of money chasing fewer investment opportunities. It feels across the board. Um, and so as this cash starts collecting, you know, what are we going to do with it? Um, yeah. Okay. Yes, right. All right. Very interesting. Well, Todd, thank you for sharing with us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, no. Thank you, Matt. It was great. <laughs> yeah. It gives us something, something really important to think about. And I hope we get a chance to talk again. Thank you to the subscribers of Upside Downside as well. And uh, have a great day.